What is going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. And, you know, after after watching the complete domination of, and there's no other way to put it, just other than complete domination of the Iowa Hawkeyes by the Tennessee Volunteers, this past, this past long holiday weekend, New Year's Day, what a way to, what a way to start off the new year, right? Just, just watching Tennessee absolutely demolish their opponent in their bowl game. But with that being said, It would be so easy for me to see that final result of the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl and add that to the huge, huge news that Tennessee just got yesterday about Brew McCoy coming back and all of the other weapons that will be coming back for Tennessee next year. It would be so easy for me to talk about that today. So I think that's exactly what I'm going to do. And going into 2024, not only is it football time, not only will it be football time, in Tennessee, it will be Nico time in Tennessee. That's right. Nico Iamaliava. And guys, you'll you'll want to you'll wanna grab a pen and sheet of paper and write this name down because you're you're going to need to remember this name because he is going to be a problem in a good way, obviously. Going forward, Nico Iamaliava. And gosh, what what a guy. What a guy. But he absolutely dominated. And going back to what I was saying earlier about this 35 to nothing win for Tennessee over Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. He just dominated on route to a 35 to nothing victory which is probably a little bit more of a lopsided score than I would have expected I'm saying that well aware that it is Iowa that I'm talking about here and watching Iowa's offense in particular I I would say that watching Iowa's offense is sort of like watching paint dry, but frankly, that would be a little bit insulting to the process of watching paint dry. That's how boring Iowa's offense is. They put up a grand total of zero points on Monday afternoon. But back to Nico for a second. The hype train is... Very much real. 
as it relates to Nico Iamaleava and I guess we all went into this game because you it was it was his first start as QB1 and all with Joe Milton obviously opting out of the Citrus Bowl to start preparing for the NFL draft in a few months. Tennessee actually had quite a few opt-outs in this game, but that made very little difference when you look at, excuse me, when you look at Nico's stat line and even it really, it's really more than the stats, honestly, because you can just, you could just see the way, the way he was carrying himself and the way he was conducting the offense really, really showed why Tennessee thought so highly of him in the recruiting process and why Tennessee fans should have plenty of optimism going forward. But, and he also showcased his ability not only with his arm, but with his legs as well, which I'll get into a little bit more in detail over in just a second. But let me get to this stat line. And the passing, as far as the passing goes, the passing numbers, he really didn't, really didn't need to do that much, especially with the way Tennessee was dominating, lack of a better word. And it was, honestly, it wasn't just the the offense. Tennessee's defense actually stepped up and made some plays as well. I'll get into that a little bit more in just a second. But back to Nico, he was... 12 of 19 through the air, 151 yards, and a touchdown. But what's even more impressive is his rushing numbers. And again, this really showcased why he could be a problem going into 2024. He's really just a dominant dual threat of a player, apparently. Because against Iowa, Nico finished with 15 carries for 27 yards, which doesn't really seem like that much until you you take into account the not one, not two, but three rushing touchdowns for Nico Iamaleava. So, very, impre- very, very impressive debut as QB1, no doubt. And even aside from Nico, another guy that I think you guys are going to be hearing quite a bit about going into 2024 is Dylan Sampson, who... Showed flashes during the season, obviously, and although he was he was in more of a running back by committee type of approach with 
Jalen Wright and some various other guys sprinkled in the mix as well. Uh, Dylan Sampson showed why he can potentially be Tennessee's workhorse as they move forward into 2024 because Dylan Sam, what does Dylan Sampson do? He just goes out there against quote-unquote one of the top defenses in the country in Iowa. Kind of hard to believe that's the case when you when you give up 35 points to an offense led by a true freshman quarterback, and Tennessee obviously had the defensive touchdown as well, but even giving up 28 points to an offense that's led by a true freshman quarterback when you have, quote-unquote, one of the top defenses in the country is kind of embarrassing, lack of a better word for you, but Dylan Sampson certainly stepped up and showed what he can be. Coming back, coming back to my point about Dylan Sampson, 20 carries, 133 rushing yards. So, very impressive output for Tennessee against Iowa. And what's even more impressive about this is... As I mentioned before, the Vols had multiple transfers and opt-outs of this game for various reasons. So their depth was obviously a little bit depleted, as it were. But still, to put together this kind of a performance against eight, and I'll be somewhat fair to to Iowa here. They do have a pretty tough defense, albeit during the season against Big Ten competition, gener- generally speaking. They're, even despite that, their defense is okay, but for Tennessee to put together this type of team effort was very, very impressive to me, and I'm going to come back to the defense, and you guys, if you're watching and listening to this, you might want to grab that same pen and sheet of paper that I asked you to write Nico's name down on earlier because I'm going to ask you to write down another name, because this is a name that you're going to be hearing a lot into 2024 as well, I think. Are you ready? James Pierce Jr. He is an absolute monster on the defensive side of the ball for Tennessee. And I guess going into... 2024, because he he is going to be the guy, I would say, on defense, because Tennessee is going to be without 
Tyler Barron, in particular, who just recently transferred to Ole Miss, I believe. And you would hope that that would open up even more opportunities for a guy like a James Pierce Jr. on the defensive side of the ball. Tennessee obviously has plenty of other work to do on defense as well. They're basic because mainly they're essentially going to be bringing in an entirely new secondary. And I'll get to one of the guys that is going to help alleviate some of those losses in the secondary here in just a minute. But basically an entirely new secondary for Tennessee, which based on the way the secondary has played over the last couple of years, even in 2022 with all of the success that they had on offense, obviously. I can't help but have flashbacks of the Florida game in particular in my mind. When there were, And keep in mind, this is a game Tennessee did win in 2022. I can't help but get those flashbacks of all of the missed tackles. So many missed tackles from... Tennessee's defensive backs. I I cring, I'm cringing right now, thinking about all, having flashbacks of all of the missed tackles in a game that Tennessee won. Just imagine, and the, for those of you who may not remember the Florida game from year and a half, two years ago now, just. Just imagine in a game that Tennessee won, I, bl- I believe the final was 38-33, to 33, if I'm not mistaken. Just imagine how much, wi- how much wider the gap in that score would have been if Tennessee had played a little bit better defensively. I think it would have been... Way more than five points, but hindsight being 2020, after all, we are where we are, and the secondary is obviously something that Tennessee needed to address, and I think it's obviously something that Josh Heupel is doing a good job of addressing, because going into 2024, I guess I'm going to start off with the the one guy in particular that I was talking about that will help alleviate some of these losses defensively is Jacoby Thomas. Jacoby Thomas, I'm not too familiar with his statistics. I don't necessarily, I guess I should be for a reason that I'll get into a little bit more in just a second, just to touch on it very briefly, but I guess he could go hopefully a long way in alleviating some of the losses defensively. The reason why I say that I should know a little bit more 
about Jacoby Thomas is mainly because of where he's transferring in from, which happens to be my my beloved alma mater, Middle Tennessee State University. And so, while fans of the volunteers may not be as aware of Jacoby Thomas yet, I'm sure there's plenty of people in Murfreesboro who are very much aware of what Jacoby Thomas can bring to the table. And I guess to some extent he comes in to Tennessee with a little bit of a pedigree. And I say that based mainly on the pedigree that MTSU's, some of MTSU's defensive backs have had, historically speaking, going back to guys like Kevin Byard, obviously, and Chavarius Ward, and Reed Blankenship, and blah, 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 blah. Those are really this, those are really the three main guys that stand out in my mind in particular. But hopefully, Jacoby Thomas can help solve some of Tennessee's issues on the back end of their defense because obviously they they are going to they are going to need it especially with the recent news of Gabe Judy Lalee de- declaring for the NFL draft I just saw that little bit of news come across my news feed yesterday so Tennessee's they've They've got some issues defensively, but hopefully with all of the new recruits that they've got coming in and the addition of a guy like a Jacoby Thomas, those issues will be resolved in very short order. Uh, Coming back to big news for a second as it relates to... Tennessee, and I touched on this little bit at the beginning of the show today, but as a fan, I'm just so excited that we are once again going to be hearing throughout Neyland Stadium, not ch- not, not chance of boo, mind you, but Brew! Brew! And of course, the reason for that is because wide receiver Brew McCoy has recently decided that he is going to spend at least one more season on Rocky Top, which is huge news because I've been reminded of this just recently, that Brew McCoy is very physical wide receiver. And I remember seeing a video last night of him absolutely tracking a 
defensive player from Florida. I can't remember if it... Can't remember whether it was from this past year or the year before. But just saying that, I was reminded of how physical Broom McCoy is. And I know that he's obviously coming back from the injury, right? We all remember the traumatic injury that Brew suffered. I can't remember can't remember if it was the Florida game. It may have been it may have been the Florida game last year. But if my if Let's see. I believe it might have been the Florida game last year where Brew McCoy suffered the injury. And if anyone out there would like to correct me on that, if I'm wrong, then please do so. But I believe it may have been the Florida game when Brew went down. But... The fact that he is now coming back, and let me let me touch on Tennessee's offensive weapons a little bit in particular going into 2024 because it is a stable of offensive talent when I'm talking about not just Brew and Squirrel White, but also some of the other guys that we didn't really hear as much from last year and guys that could potentially step up in a big, big way this year, this coming year in 2024. I'm going to start at the top, obviously, with Nico Iamaliava, who as I've spent quite a bit of time talking about today, showed what he can do both with his arm and with his legs as a dual threat quarterback offensively. And behind him in the backfield, you have guys like Dylan Sampson, the potential workhorse that I was talking about, and Cameron Selden, who is... A little bit more of a younger guy, played a little bit in stretches this year, and you really hope he will continue to develop in the system. But the wide receivers and tight ends are what, what by far, what excites me the most about this group because you've got Brew McCoy coming back. You've got Squirrel White coming back. You've got a five-star prospect. And make of of that what you will. Of course, we, we do, after all, it does take time to see how these guys end up developing. But for what it's worth, five-star prospect in Mike Matthews coming in. You've also got, they've also got a four-star prospect in Braylon Staley 
coming in. I haven't, I'm not really, I haven't really seen that much of either one of these guys on tape as of today, but what I've heard, what I have heard of them, I've been incredibly impressed by. So, Matthews and Staley, and then Deontay Thornton is coming back as well, the big transfer portal pickup from Oregon last year, who really didn't show as much in 2023, he he obviously had some consistency issues, but hopefully it'll just take him one more offseason to get all of that corrected. And then most recent, the most recent big-time transfer that they picked up is former freshman All-American uh, Chris Brazel, or Brazel, or however you pronounce his last name. Everything I've heard and seen from him is very impressive because he's just, and mainly because he's just another big body to have at the wide receiver position. And then at the tight end spot, there's been a lot of questions about who is going to replace a guy like McAllen Castles, who was the big transfer pickup from, I believe, UC Davis in 2023. He's apparently, I've not seen uh, definitively one way or the other, but I think we a lot of people assume he's probably going to the NFL draft. Uh, and obviously, Jacob Warren may be going to the NFL draft as well. I believe Jacob Warren might have only had the one year of eligibility left. And so the obvious question becomes, who is going to replace those guys? Well, Tennessee recently picked up a transfer portal commitment from Holden Stays. I believe is how you pronounce his last name, the recent transfer from Notre Dame. And as critical as I've been about Notre Dame in the past and will continue to be critical of Notre Dame because there's a part of me that just cannot stand Notre Dame. There's really nothing I can do at this point other than to welcome Mr. Stays to Knoxville with open arms and hope that he provides a good security blanket for his stud of a quarterback in Nico Iamaliaba. And again, remember that name because it is very important that you remember to do so. But before I, I get out of here today, as I sort of keep riding on the hype train from Tennessee's massive 
35 to nothing win over Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. I guess I'm going to touch on this very, very, very briefly because there is obviously a lot of hype for Tennessee going into 2024 about everything that Nico can bring to the table, all of the new weapons he has in the wide receiving core, blah, 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 blah. And since we, as Tennessee fans, are not going to be able to do this for a few months, at least, at least until fall camp gets here, if not earlier, I guess I'm going to look ahead to 2024 from a football perspective before we all get focused on this year's Tennessee basketball team, basically, which I will have plenty of more things to say about in the near future. But the question for Tennessee football in 2024 is, will all of the hype translate to wins and losses? I'm going to let you guys be the judge of that today, but just, you'll want to keep a track of all of these games that I'm going to rattle off just so that so that you can uh, get a prediction in your head of what Tennessee's record is going to be. And I'll put something like this. I'll do a poll or something of that nature on my social medias so that you can begin to make those guesses. If you do have any guesses of what Tennessee's record is going to be in 2024, please let me know. I would absolutely love to hear from you. But starting at the top, they've got Tennessee Chattanooga week one. Week two, two, they've got North Carolina State in a neutral site game in Charlotte that will be played in Charlotte, North Carolina. I believe it's the the Dukes mayonnaise kickoff game or whatever. Week after that, they are back in Knoxville against Kent State. And the week and week four is when things really start to get interesting because week four Tennessee is at Oklahoma, which could be a little bit more of a tricky proposition for fans and analysts as far as predictions go. And Tennessee has, obviously this is a different time, but Tennessee does have, for what it's worth, Tennessee has played at Oklahoma before back during the Butch Jones era. Ugh. And I hate the fact that I just had to bring up Butch Jones's name, 
But just for clarity's sake and for history's sake, I've got to go back and do that. The obvious difference in 2024 would be that this is this is obviously now a SEC game due to Oklahoma now being in its first year in the SEC. And so there's probably, there's more than likely going to be quite a bit on the line in this game, especially since the SEC will no longer have divisions going into 2024. That's another big thing. But you also have to look at the fact that both of these teams could knock on wood, potentially, potentially be undefeated going into this game. So that's a big thing to keep your eyes out for as well. So, so after Oklahoma, they've got one of their two bye weeks, after which they will go to Arkansas on the 5th of October, and this is a beginning to a pretty tough stretch, as tough of a stretch as Tennessee has on the season, probably, especially talking about these next two games in particular. October the 12th, they have got Florida at home. October the 19th, which is the third Saturday in October. I don't think I need to tell you guys who they play then. But after that game, they've got another bye week. after which they will host Kentucky on the 2nd of November. The week after that, they will host Mississippi State in week 11 on the 9th of November. The week after that, they go to Georgia, who is certainly going to want to get the bad taste of the, out of their mouth from not making the college football playoff this season. And although they certainly took care of their business against Florida State, and certainly there's been a lot of controversy as far as that goes with the opt-outs, all of the people that opted out for Florida State, that's a conversation for another time. But Georgia, as it relates to Georgia, they are certainly going to be a much different team, although they do have Carson Beck coming back. And they do also have Trevor Etienne, the transfer running back from Florida, has recently announced that he is transferring to Georgia. And so that's going to be something else for Tennessee and the rest of the SEC to have to deal with, frankly. But they will be without Lad McConkey, and they will also be without 
Brock Bowers. And there's, I'm sure, going to be plenty of other guys on the defensive side of the ball for Georgia that will be missing as well as they will more than likely end up somehow end up being drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But having said all of that, the dogs are going to be a much different team, and Tennessee will have to deal with them on the 16th of November. And then after that, they've got UTEP and Vandy. I don't I don't think I really need to say too much more about UTEP or especially Vandy. So as of right now, it seems like keyword being seems like a pretty favorable schedule for the Tennessee Volunteers. And again, I'm going to leave a poll up on my Twitter page or a poll on Facebook one way or another for you guys to give feedback on that. If you do happen to have any predictions for what Tennessee's record is going to be, please do that. I would love to hear from you. But with all of that being said, there are plenty of reasons for optimism going into 2024 for Tennessee. Nico and and all of the other offensive weapons in particular. But before... The window of college football and window of people talking about college football sorts sort of starts to close here in the coming weeks after this coming Monday's championship game. I just wanted to get all of this hype off of my chest because there are because frankly I'm not going to be able to do it for a couple of months, few months at least, before that window starts to close and we fully turn all of our attentions to basketball and I turn my full attention to trying to fill out that perfect bracket. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Knock on wood. But... Before we get to that point, I just wanted to really address all of the hype that Tennessee football has going into 2024 because based on the way they played in the Citrus Bowl, there is there are all of the reasons in the world to be optimistic about this Tennessee football team and with all of that being said, that is pretty much going to wrap it up for me today. I want to thank you all so much for watching and listening to this edition of the Jim Bratton podcast. I appreciate it, and I will see you guys soon.